back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. Newbie in for Kinzano. Stephen Vaughn holding things down as well. We're getting ever closer to fall camp for the Ducks and the Beavers. And then the Pac-12 football season. Of course, the Beavers open September the 3rd down at Brent Brennan's San Jose State Spartans. We'll uh, have plenty of time to talk about that one and that point spread. I know uh, Stephen's eyeing that one around 16 and a half, 17. Feels like a lot, but hey, that's that's respect for the Beavs uh, right now. Going to talk a little bit more about the Beavs with T.J. Matthewson joining us now on the BFT. T.J. with 1240 Joe Radio in Corvallis as fall camp approaches. What's up, T.J.? Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's uh, I'm really looking forward to fall camp. I was mentioning it to you yesterday. Things get a little slow around here during the summer, but it could not be a more exciting time to be a Beaver fan with this upcoming football season. I'm certainly looking forward to it from a media perspective. There are some really fascinating storylines when camp kicks off a, a week from Thursday, I think. you got to settle something for me quick, though, before we dig into the Beavers. I've got a question. Your name, TJ Matthewson, you go with the periods after T and J. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. That, so that, that, DJ, that, was, uh, that was, yeah, go ahead. DJ Uyunglele's got no no periods after D and J. I, how do you figure out if you're the guy that puts the periods after your initials or not? I'm, I'm confused on that. I don't know. You can ask our mom. She might be able to hear, hear the signal up in Seattle, so she can figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> they stand for anything? Uh, Theodore John, yes. So uh, you could go. You could say that I'm named after two presidents, even though it's unintentional as possible. Okay, very good. All right, thanks, TJ. Uh, yeah, Corvallis this time of year. Um, what 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 what's life like down in uh, around campus and the overall vibes in Corvallis right now? Uh, a lot of place to park, um, and you go to a Corvallis Knights game. But overall, I mean. Yeah, you know, we're still about two months away from students getting back to campus, so it's a little quiet, but everyone who is around, I mean, it really is all about football. I mean, they, in terms for a program that really hasn't had all that much historical success, I mean, the, the, having some of these expectations coming up for this upcoming month of camp and some of the questions that need to be answered, it, it just kind of feels like, kind of feels like one of a kind, I would I would think so. You lay it out for us, this, the schedule with fall camp. Uh, I know the Ducks are starting up soon. The Beavers are as well. What's kind of your itinerary like as players start showing up and practices start to get underway? Yeah, I'm planning on uh, planning on being there pretty much every day for the station. You know, we got we want to keep our presence there, but it, 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 it's very, I, I think, as crucial as ever to, to try and see as much of this fall camp as possible because – we still, after having this question last fall camp as well in 2022, Beavers still don't know who their quarterback is. So, I mean, it's so important that you got to be there and, and see uh, and see all the stuff going on. I mean, you think it's going to be DJ, but you know, there's there's still plenty of uh, there's still plenty of run for the rest of the guys. And Jonathan, when he was at Pac-12 Media Day last week, said, "Yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna kind of throw them in the ring and." 
see who comes out when the dust settles, which I think is really intriguing. And he's going to do that for a lot of positions. So it's it's going to be fun to, you know, really get to go out and spend some time in the sun and, and watch these guys really go compete as, as the month of August winds down and we get closer to week one. If you were to guess, how long do you think this quarterback competition lasts? Now, in the mind of the coaching staff, I would say it might go two weeks. There's probably – you don't bring DJ in – for him not to start, theoretically, right? You, you probably had to pay him some sort of NIL package. I don't know what that is. You probably had to make some assurances on his end as he look, makes to, as he, when he came to Corvallis, is eyeing the NFL. Okay, where is gonna, where, where is the best chance and the best fit for me to eventually land on my feet in the NFL in a system I think can help me translate well? Well, that's what Jonathan Smith's system does. And it's, it would be paired with a quarterback who's had more talent than anyone in his system ha- has had before. But they're not, I don't think we're getting anything until the final week. And they, the other thing I think about with this, which is the same thing they did last year, we saw this around the country with the transfer portal. I mean, some coaches don't even announce a starting quarterback until week uh, two, three. I mean, TCU played for a national championship last year. A famous story that Sonny Dykes didn't like uh, – he – rotated three quarterbacks in week one because he didn't want any of them leaving. And I can't help <laughs> to think that the, that the thought on, on the, in the back of the mind of Jonathan Smith and Brian Lindgren is that, okay, well, we say DJ is, is a starter, is a starter here. Well, we don't want Ben leaving because as talented as Aiden Charles is behind him and as great as he looked in the spring, I mean, that's asking a true freshman say an injury happens, which they do over the course of, of someone's football playing career. Things happen, and you the season with all this expectations would be riding on the shoulders of a kid who should have just graduated high school, competed in fall camp last year while he should have been uh, in high school still. And that's that's the kind of risk you're taking. So, you know, this is sort of the tinfoil hat thought of, of, of thinking you roll into San Jose State week one and say, we're going to play both these guys and see how they play. It's just an, as an extent of fall camp, and that wouldn't totally surprise me. T.J. Matthewson, twelve forty, Joe Radio, joining us uh, on the Bald Face Truth from down there in Corvallis. Uh, talk to me about Aiden Childs, man, because just getting a whiff of that guy, it's it's hard not to get excited with his potential. He was the best quarterback. Uh, yeah, okay, best quarter. I was going to say best player, but there were some really good performances in spring. So I'll just shorten it to he was the best quarterback on the field during the spring as a kid who was seventeen years old, and that was. Yeah, a little bit of adjustment on DJ's side. He wasn't too familiar with the offense, but the athleticism really, really stands up. I mean, everything you see about this guy as an athlete is totally true. And some things that shocked me as well, it's not just the running ability, but some of the times you would pull a, you'd almost pull a Russell Wilson where he's running, but he's running to throw the football. And he would you know, run towards the line of scrimmage, and he'd dash towards each sideline to his left or to his right but still keep his eyes downfield and throw on the run and throw accurately on the run. There's so many times where he would either throw a deep pass or he'd throw a nice little under route on the move and the ball would be right on target. And I, I remember thinking, because everything I had read about Aiden Childs before he came into spring practice was that he was a project thrower. Well, I got to say, he didn't look like too much of a project throw in the spring when the structure happens and defenses start game planning for him a little bit, I'm sure that will tighten up a little bit and he'd probably end up making some mistakes. But when they let him, you know, go off the leash and really go play out there, it was really fascinating to watch 
him go out there and look significantly better than guys who have been in this system for longer, almost longer than he's been in high school, which is funny to think about. The quarterbacks are such a natural talking point. Uh, the 10 wins from last year, trying to repeat that natural talking point. What's something we're overlooking with this Oregon State team? In a positive or negative way? Mm. Let's go. Let's go negative. It's easy to be positive about these guys. Get, get, okay. let, let, let's try to put the shoe on the other foot. You know, it's so the optics are so good down there. Well, what could go wrong, or what, what's uh, what's a sleeping, you know, potential pitfall for Oregon State this year? The one place I'm really looking at, I'm curious how they're going to fill the middle linebacker spots. That group has seen some some departures over the uh, last couple of years. Avery Roberts two years ago. Omar Spates leaving for LSU this past offseason, and, and Kyrie Fisher, who was solid there in the middle, also leaving the program, so are graduating uh, and moving on, not to say he left. And so you leave that spot with Easton Mascarinas Arnold, who's played there, you know, played some special teams and, and filled in in that, in that role, but now he's probably going to start. I don't think he got too much action this spring off the top of my head. And then after that, there's a lot of, you know, question of, of who it could be. I mean, I, I think it will be John Miller. Uh, John Miller's probably going to get a, a good bit of run there in the middle linebacker. We saw him on the field quite a bit for multiple teams of defenses, first, second, third team when spring was going on. But after that, it's it's really a curiosity of some guys who haven't played at all. Makaya Tung, former uh, former wide receiver, has switched to linebacker this season. He was still a little skinny when spring rolled around, but they were throwing him there at the linebacker, throwing him out on the edge. I mean, he showed some really good speed there. But in terms of the instincts of of being a linebacker, I mean, I'm sure he's still got some to learn. Uh, Mason Tufaga from, from Utah didn't play a whole lot at Utah, so there's a really a, a, an experience factor there. And then there's just more in the depth chart behind him. But in terms of question marks, that's really where I kind of look at and say, okay, you probably need to see something there tangible on the field to to have confidence because that's the, the group that really has the least amount of returners in it and is a pretty crucial part of what should be the best uh, side of the field on the defensive side is, you know, you need those linebackers there, you know, making sure everyone's in the right spot and, and covering up those holes that the, that the defensive line uh, might open up. You're, uh, you're a big Mariner fan, huh? Just a little bit, unfortunately. How's that going? Funny enough. No. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny you ask that because, you know, they, they lose yesterday and, and end up uh, sitting at 50 and 50 on the season. And, and I went back and I counted in their schedule, and this really is just life as a Mariner fan. 22 times this season they've been exactly 500 with the record, which is really fascinating. That doesn't count the start of the season when they were – Zero and zero. So I don't think anything better summarizes being a Mariner fan than uh, than that stat right there. Well, you know, once you get to five hundred, at least you're guaranteed the next game you won't be five hundred, one way or the other. That's true. Something. And then uh, there's an opportunity to uh, there's an opportunity to get back to five hundred the very next game after that. Is so, it, is it baseball? Maybe they set a record. Baseball's the best, isn't it? I was I was it, driving home yesterday listening to uh, the ninth inning with uh, with Aaron Goldsmith on the call. And uh, yeah, heard the Colton Wong homer and was like, "All right, we're we're turning this thing around." And then check my phone an hour later, they found a way to lose. Yeah, you you think of the the most unlikely scenarios possible in terms of of the Mariners tying the game. And I was looking at some of the numbers on how they've fared in in late game situations, and it's just been terrible. And 
you know, Colton Wong has been awful all season long and manages to hit have one of the biggest hits of the season. And it's like, all right, Toronto's going to lose. You gain a game in the wild card, uh, you know, and you have a one-run lead. And then all of a sudden your two best relievers cough up a run in each of the next two innings. And while the middle of your lineup it continues to be about as unclutch as possible. I mean, it really did epitomize the Mariners season in, a, in, a, in an aspect there last night against the Twins. Um, so it's, uh, it's an up and down, uh, it's, it's an up and down lifestyle that I was, I don't know, I would say I was cursed with, but you know, we, uh, we suffer through it together. So it's, uh, it's good. We're talking to TJ Matthewson. He's at TJ Matthewson on, on Twitter, uh, covering Beaver football at 1240 Joe radio down there and a brief little baseball detour. Got a great podcast, by the way, you should check it out. The Marine layer pod talking all things, uh, Mariners and, uh, in the big leagues. Uh, it, was, it was fun to see your guys' all-star game content at T-Mobile Park. Uh, that was pretty cool, TJ. So keep up the good work on that. This is your debut on the Bald Face Truth. So uh, let some of the listeners know, how'd you wind up in Corvallis, given your uh, Seattle origins and, and where you ended up going to school? Grew up in Seattle, went to uh, Ballard High School, and then found my way down to ASU. I know a lot of people I talked to initially think I went to Oregon State. No, I'm actually a Sun Devil. I went to... Uh, down in Phoenix, studied sports journalism there, wanted to get into some broadcasting while I was in school, wanted to do some play-by-play, but things didn't work out. In terms of picking worst times ever to graduate, 2020 has to be on the top of the list. <laughs> I mean, just atrocious. Yeah, you should, uh, should have so picked that, a different year, man. Yeah, <laughs> That's I know. On you. Tell me, I should have done what the kids do, and I should have reclassified. As someone that got sure. married in 2020, I, I tell you, you should have picked a different year to graduate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I end up uh, I end up down in Corvallis. I'm uh, I, I work with my boss John Warren, of course, Mike Parker. I produce the show down here, which will uh, get underway about a month from right now. So it's uh, it's a fun little bit getting to do some high school sports as well, which is always fun when the uh, the local communities get to uh, we get to use our platform to help uh, tell some great stories of some of the high school or high school athletes around us. Some really great high school athletes uh, come out and coming out of the Mid Valley. So that's fun, of course, and. Uh, yeah, focusing on Beaver sports, which is really fun, and it's uh, it's a good first introduction into the into the sports business. You really learn on the fly, and you learn a lot. It's like drinking from a fire hose. You get to see Mike Parker uh, on the regular. Uh, what's working with Mike like, and do you have a good Mike Parker story? Ooh, I don't know if a good story, but you definitely learn a lot. I would say Mike and I are similar in the fact that we love baseball and baseball history, so it if you, I'm sure you you look at my last name, and you, if you're a baseball history person, you might think, oh, there's someone in the Baseball Hall of Fame with the last name Matthewson, and I will usually just lie and say yes, I'm related to him. Besides the fact our <laughs> Matthewson last name is is adopted, so I don't think that's possible. But by name, I mean there's probably some connection back there too. So these little, like I guess, little random things with Mike that we're able to uh, connect on because we're we're pretty fluent in uh, in in some some older baseball history that is that is really just uh, was really just fascinating. So it's it's good to get to learn from him and then from my boss John Warren as well. They've been in the business for quite a long time, and it's uh, it's good to learn from the people who've experienced all sorts of things. Uh, in this industry while I'm just here getting started. I would pick up a C.S. Lewis book and then uh, bring it up to Mike and tell tell him all about what you learned. Uh, you can thank me later for that one. Uh, <laughs> either that or George McDonald. Go go find yourself some C.S. Lewis or George McDonald, and uh, and you'll you'll have a good conversation with Mike in no time. Uh, I'll leave you with this, T.J. A game on the schedule 
not named Oregon, you're most looking forward to seeing Oregon State play this year? I'm going to say Washington because it's going to be in Corvallis and I get to go to it. That sounds pretty uh, – that sounds – Well, you, get to, sounds go to, you a, get to go to all of them, so. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I don't get to travel anywhere, so only uh, only the home games. So if we're talking in terms of, of importance, I mean, the Utah on a Friday night will be cool and, hey, it'll be warm. So, honestly, you know, that as a, if we're just looking at a context neutral, probably that one, and the Utes are supposed to be very good. But, I mean, Washington is right up there with USC and Oregon in terms of having to win the conference this year. I mean, that that game, when I look at the or, at Oregon State's schedule this year, I think there's a very real chance that they could be 11-0 heading into that Oregon game. I mean, if you just look at their home games that they have, in terms of the, the tough conference games that they have, Utah, they're playing at home. UCLA, they're playing at home. Stanford, uh, they're terrible, are playing at home. And then Washington are playing at home. So three of those four teams are in the top half of the Pac-12, opposed if you look at their, their road schedule. I mean, these are the four of these or five of these teams outside of Oregon that they play on the road. Washington State, California, Arizona, Colorado could be in the bottom five teams in the conference. So the schedule really works out. So when I look at that Washington game, that's the pivotal game saying, wow, this could be the difference between a New York Six Bowl and the Alamo Bowl. If you, if you beat Washington at home, for their expectations of, of winning a national championship this year, I mean, that's the one I'm circling. I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. And I know Oregon State fans want to get a bite back at Washington for a game they thought they should have won last year up at Husky Stadium. That was a good one last year, Friday night, in the wind in Seattle. TJ, thanks for making time, man. It's good to connect with you and have you on the show for the first time. Keep up the good work uh, down in there in Corvallis, and we'll look forward to having you on again soon. All right, I appreciate you guys having me on. There he is, TJ Matthewson, 1240, Joe Radio in Corvallis, Oregon State. Ten wins a season ago. Can they replicate it? He said a couple of things that I want to unpack uh, in our next segment and uh, later in the show as well. That's TJ Matthewson. Appreciate him making time for that. We'll bounce a break and come back, get you a big splash and some punch and audio, plus more of Kanzano's Pac-12 Media Day interviews, including Travis Hunter from Colorado and Justin Wilcox, the Cal head coach, and Jed Fish from Arizona. Newbie in for Kazano on the Bald Face Truth.